Welcome back to the Leverage Podcast. I'm your co-host Ari Mizell. And I'm Nick Sonnenberg. And today we have the pleasure of having two guests in studio with us here. We have Miss Jennifer Love of One More Woman. Yay. Thanks for having me. And Brian Scrone of Family Board Meetings. Family Board Meetings, yeah. So uh, why don't we start with you? Okay. Jennifer. Uh, can you tell us what One More Woman is? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> One More Woman, it, I mean, what we're doing is really rewriting the language of numbers and the value of women's superpowers in business. It's like, what the heck does that mean? And really, I'm working to help women make numbers sexier, to really scale their business in a way that feels right for them, and to really leverage and shine their uh, spotlight on their, their power as a woman and create a safe space for them to do that. What's the relationship between shining, what you just said and then the numbers part? Are you training women how to analyze data and, and know their numbers better? Yes, because, Nick, numbers are magical. Oh, I, I'm a math guy, so <laughs> yeah, Nick, talk, Nick is the numbers talking, guy. You're talking right, my language now. Good, yes. So what's the relationship? Is it that in general you find that women are not good at the analytics or, or the key performance indicators that a business needs to focus on and you train them in what churn rate is and what numbers actually matter? It is that and so much more. I mean, what, what we're finding through all the research that we've done over the last couple of years is that there tends to be a lot of limiting belief systems. And we hear not only from women, from men as well, but women have a unique scenario going on in their, in their minds and with emotionally. And a lot of that is with them telling themselves that they're just simply not good with money. They're not good with math. Um, and they don't really want to have anything to do with it. And guys, here's how it kind of goes in their head. It's something like, if I'm really powerful and have and make a lot of money, then a man won't love me and I'll end up alone. Or if I'm really, you know, nailing it in the business world and I'm really too successful, then my girlfriends will hate me and it'll be like the I, lo- I hate Jennifer Club all over again. Really? There's nothing more I'd want than a sugar mama. <laughs> I was just thinking. I mean, like, like who, the, who we would just, want? We could just sit in the studio all day yeah. long and do nothing. Like, <laughs> we could just talk all day long. We don't even have to work. Well. It, 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 I mean, not to interrupt you, but I, it's a, from what I, I've always seen, that it seems very polarizing with women in business that they're either extremely mentoring towards younger women or they're very competitive towards other women. And I don't think there's anything in between that I've seen. <laughs> it's such a great point. It's what we call the crab in the bucket mentality. You know, we're and do you know what that is? No. Okay, so basically when you put crabs into a pot of boiling hot water, one's trying to get out and the others are literally pulling it back in. And they're considered one of the stupidest animals <laughs> on the planet because if if they actually like work together, they can actually get out of the pot together. And so this is kind of the epidemic of what's happened for women. There's lots of reasons about why this is going on. But, yeah, competitiveness amongst women is is a problem. And it's a problem that I'm working to change. Like, let's shift from competition to collaboration is what I, I like to say. For men, women, doesn't even matter. When Nick and I have always talked about how that's the collaborative aspect of, like, working a business is so important anyway because – the people thinking that they can work in a silo and get anything done, the, the parts are worth more than a whole, you know, and, sure. and you're only going to benefit from being open and transparent with the things that you're working on. It's interesting um, to hear you say the, what you just said about women not thinking that they're good at math. I was just reading a little bit of Robert Cialdini's book, Presuasion on the Plane Back mm. from L.A., yeah. and literally what I was reading yesterday, he gave an example on performance of women on standardized math tests. And if you ask at the beginning if you're your gender, he found like I think it was like eight or ten percent lower average score than if you ask the gender question at the, after you've taken the test. That's interesting. And how it makes a difference if the proctor is a man or a woman, or if you're in a room just with maybe you don't even have to ask the gender. You just filter people by going into a room only women. So then you don't even have to ask the question and how that impacts scores. And it was a statistically significant difference depending on same questions. So I'm really curious, Nick. This is a really good um, like bit of research. I'm really curious. What does that say to you? What is that showing you? Well, that there are predispositions that do affect how you perform. But also I think like and, – and Brian, I want to get you in on this conversation too because you and I have had some interesting conversations around this. Like so much of it's mindset yeah. as well. And that we get blocked there. Brian and I were connecting um, for the Archangel event. This was January. 
And you brought up this interesting game that I, I still haven't checked out yet called Cash Flow. Yeah. I'm curious Ki- to hear Kiyosaki, it a little more. You guys, everyone knows, everyone knows Kiyosaki. Yeah. Um, so at our, at our, we do parent-child retreats, and we bring parents and kids together, and we focus on the things that are not taught in schools, one of them being financial intelligence. And uh, we always make it in a fun, experiential way because that's how kids learn, and at the end of the day, that's how adults learn. So this game is incredible. I mean, we had... It's a simple, fun board game, and when you're done playing your first round, have any of you guys played it or no? No, never even heard of it. It's the best $200 you'll ever spend on yourself or your children. It's a $200 board game? Yeah, 250 bucks or something. (laughs) They're making it worth it. Yeah, they're getting cash flow. You have eight-year-olds understanding assets, liabilities, return on investment at eight years old. We we, uh, played uh, at one of our retreats. You guys know Kevin Thompson? Yeah. Yeah. He he came with his daughter, and hopefully you don't mind, Kevin. I'm throwing you out there, but this is a good thing. He brought his beautiful daughter, who was a senior in college at the time, and it was some prominent school she was going to, majoring in economics and accounting. And I, I remember interviewing him after at the end of the retreat, and I said, you know, what was your favorite part to his daughter? And she said, honestly, I learned more in an hour of playing that cash flow game than I have in the last four years of college education in accounting and economics. And obviously her dad was... <laughs> taken back by that but it's it, it makes it's experiential and it's fun i think the only thing the only way to learn anything and be sustainable is you got to inject fun into it so it's a board game it's fun doesn't monopoly kind of teach you that too i think monopoly is um i haven't played that in years but from what i remember it's it's not real world or maybe it is but this is absolutely real real world you're, you're playing with a balance sheet you're you're buying assets you're learning about you know you're getting a a bad turn and getting a liability and some people don't you know the general public mm-hmm. unfortunately doesn't really understand assets liabilities return on investment so it just makes it very practical real world i'm a real estate guy i have been for 20 years so it goes deep into that cool anytime my you girlfriend can, might be able to benefit from that yeah anytime <laughs> that you gamify anything i think it's just fun and if you could add in charades to the mix then i would be all over yeah. <laughs> you could add beer into it. Okay. <laughs> not with the children but if you're playing with friends <laughs> we'll come back now so one more moment in a second too so brian can you tell us about uh, family board meetings yeah yeah so family board meetings uh is a startup that uh childhood friend of mine who we've been in real, real estate business together for the last 20 years. Uh, four or five years ago, we started uh, putting on these uh, family retreats. So we take a entrepreneur and their child one-on-one and bring them together to focus on quality time and like take a magnifying glass on that relationship with the child and the parent. And, and then again, going back to teaching the stuff that's not taught in schools. Um, financial intelligence is just one of the themes relationships and communication. Obviously, we have a major breakdown in communication with uh, children and, and adults with, you know, the the onslaught of technology and all that. Um, service is a big one. We've, we, we, we're big fans of giving back and, and teaching service. And um, that's one of the themes of, of the retreats as well. It's, it's, uh, it's a passion project. It's, it's magic to watch what goes on in just a sh- short few days with, between the parent and the child. It's, Where is it located? So we, we traditionally do them selfishly. We're surfers, so we do them uh, with an ocean-related theme in, the, nice. uh, in our backyard in Florida. I'm, I'm in Florida. Um, we're now taking it on the road. We've done them in Maui and Australia and all over the place where there's warm surf, but we uh, got a lot of feedback from clients. There's a lot of fear around the ocean and um, some pushback <laughs> on that. So we're actually going to Summit Powder Mountain. Are you guys familiar with I, Summit? I went there last year. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah, I was just there a couple of weeks ago. And um, Are you going in winter or the summertime? We're going to do the retreat in June, June 9th through the 11th. So we have uh, Dr. Shafali, who I know you guys know. We were just at an event together with her. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's mm-hmm. wor- world's leading expert on conscious parenting. She's coming to support us and keynote, and uh, we're, we're getting real excited. It's beautiful there. I, I had one of the best trips ever. You were I, there when uh, it was white. Yeah. I went skiing there like last February or something. But It's amazing. It it yeah, it was amazing. I guess the, the lake will be open and you can do some water yeah, skiing and all that. it's going to be summer, summer activities. Yeah. Um, they said it could still be white on top of the mountain, so we'll see how that goes. Cool. Be like New Zealand, where you can surf and ski in the same day. Exactly. And what are the ages of the kids usually? So the age range is uh, eight to twenty-two is our sweet spot. We've had a six-year-old come through. We've had a twenty-five-year-old come through. It's a big range, actually. It is, and it's it's it creates a very dynamic environment. But uh, it's it's beautiful to watch how the kids, you know, the older kids immediately taking a mentor role to the younger kids, and 
it's pretty awesome to watch. I guess the programming look like, you know, how are you eliciting those kind of changes and things what, mm-hmm. what, other than just have, sharing the experience yeah, together? Yeah, I mean, I know, everything we do is simple. So really the foundation is quality one-on-one time. And I know that sounds overly simple, but I know I think you have four mm-hmm. children. So are you a dad or no? And no <laughs> I children? I am the mother of a canine. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> a werewolf? <laughs> So if you had 15 dogs, then you would know the difference between right. having one and 15 right. or, or multiple children. So How many do you have? I only have two right uh, now. Work, work. Yeah. And we have a, six, a we have a 16-year-old exchange student living with us for the year. So I have three at home right now. My yoga teachers just moved in with us. So now we have four. <laughs> Your yoga teacher moved in with you. That's yeah. convenient. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's, uh, there's a whole backstory behind that. But I uh, <laughs> won't go into that right now. But um, we... We focus on quality one-on-one time, uh, which is by default when they come to us one-on-one, and then um, experiential education. We believe we give the the voice and the power back to the children at our retreats. Um, I think as adults, a lot of times, and parents, which I'm sure you can relate to, be, having young children, we tend to talk down to them, and you know, in this authoritative thing. And sometimes there's a place for that, depending on the age. But we treat it as a true mastermind, and we let the kids take the floor and teach the the entrepreneurs. And we're attracting some really high-level entrepreneurs, which we have a lot of mutual friends that have come through. And um, the kids are, you know, it's just unbelievable. We help them get crystal clear on their purpose and their passion and give them the space to do that and then let them share with the and get the support and feedback. So we have kids coming back, coming back to us two or three years later and saying, yay, started this business. You know, thank, thank God we had this mastermind with you where they, you know, and this seed was planted and then we, you know, help them water the seed and then they go home and start a business at 14 years old. So it's father and son or father and... No and gender. No gender. And uh, like Ari has four kids. So would he have to pick bring his favorite, one? Pick no. his favorite one. <laughs> he couldn't bring... That's my he go-to bring answer. bring his top two? No. <laughs> no, one of our... It's a, uh, it's a, that was going to be my question. It's a great question, but, you know, there's, there's rules in business. We're all business people here and uh, we don't break our rules and it's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And there's... Said, There's a lot see. of psychology behind that, which I won't go into, but it's... I, I mean, I get, it's very challenging in my household to get one-on-one time with, and, and two of mine are twins, too, so they're kind of like their own little unit. So, I, no, I, I, I totally get that. I've been doing these mini board meetings, which we do at home with my kids since they were born. Like, one-on-one is a game changer. So, gender doesn't matter. So, for the kids or for anybody? Like, it can be mothers and daughters, too? No rules. Okay. You and a loved one, an adult and a loved one. Okay. So this is perfect then. So then this this is this is the conversation that I wanted to have, I guess, is then how can we, if we want kids to, whether or not we want them to be entrepreneurs, right? That's up to people to decide. But I, I think that however you feel about the education system currently in America, it, it's it. I think most people can agree that it doesn't work for most people. There's some people that it definitely works for, but there's a lot of people I think it, it doesn't. Um, and I think that there is much more of a tendency now to, to encourage and teach people to be entrepreneurs. So for young girls and young boys, like what is the best way that you're seeing that you're seeing to help foster that kind of uh, attitude? Uh, find out what they're passionate about and dump gasoline on it and light it on fire. <laughs> Hyper-focus. You know, there's such a generalization in traditional education, which I'm sure we all went through some form of that as youngsters. And you're getting fed a ton of stuff you have no interest in. And to me, that's the big, I mean, you're you're a big you know, um, being efficient and your whole business is about being efficient, right? And how is it efficient in spending six out of your eight hours a day learning about stuff that you have no interest in? Yeah, and I would I would also <laughs> add to that, like, allowing the curiosity to run wild. There has to be a baseline too, no? Like, if I, I was, I hated English, but like, if I would have just not taken any English and then I, I'm illiterate, that's not gonna, that's not good either, right? Or even history. I hated history, but still, it's good to know the basics, so... When you're older, maybe in 20 years, my interest will be different. Yeah, I think you're right. I agree with you. There's some baseline there. And we're not here to throw traditional education out the window. We're here to supplement it and add value to it. I was I went as a student in public school, and I taught in the public educational system in Santa Barbara, what you and I were yeah. just talking about. I went to uh, undergrad at Santa Barbara. Yeah, so I lived right around the corner and taught at Devereaux. SB I don't know if you... Connections here. Yeah. I'm moving there next month. Really? Yeah. It's my favorite place. Uh, uh, well, Montecito, but... Yeah. I would love to have sweet, a place up there. Sweet spot of the earth. But uh, yeah, just to be clear, we're not here to throw educational, the current system out the window, but I think we all would agree that there's some antiquated things going on there. So we're here just to supplement and support. 
I mean, I guess for me, it's, it's almost a selfish thing, too, is because I do have my youngest is, is a daughter, is my first girl. I have three boys and then a girl, and she's already, like, she's tough. She's 13 months, and she's, like, tough ch- chasing around the boys. But, like, I, it's the first time where I've been confronted with this, where I really, I, it, it's easy to say, like, oh, I want her to think that she can do anything. But, like, I, I, just saying that's not enough. Right? And I obviously want that for all of them as well, but I feel like it, I don't know how people react to this, but it, we are obviously your organization exists because of this, but we're still in a place in our society where there is definitely a difference um, in terms of how women are treated and how they're uh, encouraged to do that. So, you know, I want, I, I, I do say that, that I want her to be able to have all these opportunities and do whatever she wants, but is there some way that you've seen, either of you, that we can actually really help encourage that foster that finding the passion is one thing, and I, I, I get that, but you know, it, make it's, it sustainable. Yeah, and it's also hard to necessarily know if something is a passion or it's just like a fleeting interest, or right. So, because th- th- then you get in the whole ten thousand hours thing, right? It's like I'm going to make my kid a golfer, so like then I'm just going to put all these lessons. So I'm going to go back to the curiosity. Um, something I, I share with our group um, in One More Woman too, is to just get really curious. Um, put I the way I kind of frame it is like put on your scientist hat, and nothing is a failure. Nothing is a failure. It's just simply discovery and learning. And I think if we can foster that, not in, only in ourselves as adults, um, but also in children, that it, it gives them the freedom for exploration and to really know who they are and to know what their strengths are. And I'm going to go back to, you know, because I, I talk a lot about superpowers and doubling down on the things that really work well for you. And one of the things that I'm really working for in the business world, specifically uh, for women, is to help incent them to work specifically in what they're really great at. Because it's different than men. It just is. We're designed differently. And that's okay. Right? I think so many of us, like, it, there's this there's this kind of theme that's running. It's like, well, you know, it shouldn't be different for men and women. But, but the reality is that it is. We're biologically, hormonally, and physiologically designed differently. Our brains operate differently. And that's okay. And so I think for me, how I'm viewing this is, why don't we really tap into what are you really good at as a man and as a human being? And let's incent you specifically to like thrive. And I think that's it for girls and for women as well. And how can we redesign the paradigm of business, of learning um, to really help them thrive as who they are um, and what they excel at. And it's different for each person and it's different for each gender. It's very in line with what we tell our, our members, which is, you know, you should be delegating like over 80% of the things that you're doing on a daily basis so that you can free up time to focus on things that you're uniquely best at and what you thrive at. How does it work? Like if, when someone signs up to to work with you, what does that relationship look like? Mm. Yeah, so we go pretty in-depth. There's a bit of an onboarding process. They go through what we call a money makeover. And we have three different proprietary assessments that they go through, a metrics test, uh, confidence, work-life balance, and then we also have them take their strengths finders. Um, And the reason why we do that is because we want to have a baseline of understanding of where are they, and then we track that progress over time. So I love numbers. I love everything math. And I want to quantify everything. And I also know because of my seven years of psychology training that when you can see progress being made, that it creates more momentum um, for progress to continue to to be made. So there's this onboarding process. We get a baseline. And then based on their strengths and based on where they are in their business, um, we partner them with what we call an abundance partner. And those partnerships are having some powerful breakthroughs. And what that abundance partnership is really is simply an accountability and it's a sounding board so that you can dive deep into what's really happening for you um, and then, you know, work through it with someone that's on your side. So is it one-on-one coaching? Is it virtual? Is it in person? It's mostly virtual. And then we have quarterly live mastermind style get-togethers. So we just had one in San Diego um, a few weeks ago. So they're going through this money makeover process. Um, then we, we have them rewrite their money story, which is like dealing kind of with the psychology and emotional like positioning of where they are. 
um, helping to reframe it. And then we send them on a money date. And then they're integrated into the full community from there. And then there's curriculum designed around the year for each quarter. Um, and then we have weekly and meetings for money talks and on Zoom and whatnot. So it goes from there. So is it money management or is it also like... The goal is to 2 to 10x their revenue in 12 months and to 100x their financial literacy gotcha. in 12 months. Gotcha. So all these people are, are business owners. They're all business owners. All um, have been in business for at least a year. And they're doing revenue between 150000 and $5 million. Oh, we should we should talk because we're, we're using a lot of tools to analyze... Well, I mean, I'm I'm a data scientist by trade, so we're we're looking at basically everything you could possibly look at and slicing and dicing it. And there's a lot of tools that we've come across that we're we're using to really have good optics of the financials and the health of the company. Are we going to geek out, Nick? Let's, let's go. <laughs> I can, I, we I can jam. I feel like geek out coming I'm on. This back. is so great. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll sit back with you. I love it. <laughs> Yes, the please. numbers the numbers don't lie, though. It's such a critical part of the business, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't pay attention. One of the most amazing conversations—I'm going to tell you two stories, if that's okay, right now. Um, so last summer, I had 200 conversations with 200 different women entrepreneurs at different levels of their business. And one of those conversations with was with a um, shoe, a kid's shoe company out of the Northern California area. And they were doing $5 million in revenue down a million from the previous year and wanting to get to 15. I'm like, awesome. And then I ask, well, can you talk to me a little bit about what does your financial model or budget look like? Well, you don't really have one. Okay, can you tell me a little bit about your sales strategy? We don't really have that either. What? It was like, insert record scratch. What happened? Like, ladies, congratulations. The fact that you've gotten to 5 million in revenue is like amazing to me. <laughs> right? And it's then, the type of company we would want, like, buy or invest in. Yeah. I'm like, holy <laughs> mackerel. So then I dug in a little further, and I realized that over the last 11 years, they've been in business for 11 years, over the last 11 years, they've left $100 million on the table because they weren't looking at and using their data as intelligence on how to make great decisions. And so I was like, do you want to continue doing that? Do you want to leave that kind of money on the table and that kind of impact on the table? Mm-hmm. They're like, No. And then, you know, kind of bringing this back around to the the psychology side of this, this was a, about a month ago. I'm on a, I'm helping, I've been helping a lot of people in some of my private groups and like Archangel and whatnot rewrite their money stories. Just because I've seen the power of the breakthroughs that are happening with this work. I'm on a call with a gal who was part of a hedge fund here in New York City. And she was running the New York office. She had two male counterparts, um, one running the London office and one running Singapore office. And they had nailed this project, like so much so that she got a million-dollar bonus. Now, just let that sink for a minute. Imagine getting a million-dollar bonus. Whoa. That's awesome, right? And she's telling me during this story, she's like, Jen, this, it was like my report card for how good I am and my worth in the world. And when she found out that her two male counterparts, who had done just as much work as she had, got 50% more bonus than she did, it devastated her, and she quit her job. Relative, right? It's all relative. What? Yeah. So this is like the kind of the power of what we're talking about in terms of how we, how we give the power and energy to money, which is simply just really a tool, and how we value ourselves um, mm. in this process. And net worth has nothing to do with self-worth, exactly. right? But that's there's a lot of emotion. There's so much emotion wrapped up in this, in terms of even wanting to to track and measure. Um, so it's all tied together. It really is. Well, when you talk about rewriting your money story, then so what is that breakthrough process like? Yeah, it's, it's good. It start. It really start. I mean, one of the questions I ask, the first question I ask, is like, you know, what is the story? What does the story really do for us? So I'm just going to pose it out there. What does the story do for us? What does a story do? What does stories do for us? Yeah. Uh, Helps you remember things if it's in a emotional, story format. Emotional hooks. Creates a legacy. Right. I mean, stories are really a constellation of our belief systems, our feelings, our emotions, sometimes even imagery around a specific event, right? So all four of us are sitting here in this room right now having the same experience, and we're going to walk out, and, and how we share it and how we communicate it is going to be completely different because of our own unique belief systems and how we feel about things, Right. So what's interesting to me about this is that when you're in an emotionally charged environment, 
you know, we are literally allowing that experience to control our bodies. Now, let me let me ground this for you. Have you have any of you here ever been in an, like had a situation where you were so moved by something and then all of the hairs on your arms stood up? Yes, everyone's every single person I asked this question says yes. Did you look down at the hair on your arms and say, "Hair, I want you to raise." No. Of course not. What happened? Well, you were in an emotionally charged moment where, you know, you were really moved by something. Neurochemicals are released in your brain, which like literally travels down through the medulla in the back of your brain, and then it ends up controlling your body. So our belief systems and our feelings are literally controlling our body, which is literally controlling our life. Make sense? And so the stories in our life and what we tell ourselves around those stories are ultimately truly controlling our life. And so one of the first things that we can do is like understand that and then stop bringing the shame, blame, and guilt around it so that we can sever that and bring compassion to all of it. And then we start to go back. And in the rewriting the money story, what we're doing is really digging into your memories, your memories around money that are emotionally charged. And then we start digging into like, what have you turned that into in your life? And then let's turn that around and rewrite that. That plays a very interesting role when you're doing that with women entrepreneurs. Oh, you have no idea. And it's good you have a psychology background. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of psychology in that. Wait, are you a psychologist? I'm not a psychologist. Oh. I, You know, funny little side story. I almost went into the Marines to become a strategist for the CIA or FBI. Okay. Yeah. So I started a forensic <laughs> psychology PhD program back in the day. Very cool. Wow. Yeah. I always feel like my in my next life or when if we ever finish with this uh, like NSA or something like with intelligence would be cool. Yes, yes. I always thought that, but I don't. I can't. I can't code. Uh, I can't decrypt things. So <laughs> I use a calculator. Yeah. Well, we play this game called Gumption. We we have a pretty good uh, cryptic algorithm. It's pretty hard to. I was I was talking about that the other day actually at a brunch party. Um, so. You guys do real estate together or no? No, no, no. It's no. a different different business. I I, yeah, I, I still do real estate development stuff. I don't I don't love the real estate business. To be honest, I really love construction. I love building things. Uh, unfortunately, the market that I build in is a very lucrative market, but it can take four or five years to get a permit, and then you know I build for like eight months, and then wait another five years to build again. So that's that's not what sustains me. The work that we do now is what really really takes up all our time or my time and then next time. And what about you, though? So you have the real estate business, but I mean, clearly that's not your passion. No, no. It's, um, I don't think there's a human that can be passionate about sticks and bricks. If they are, I'd love to have a coffee with them and figure that out. But um, I am passionate about serving people. And so we, we do, we've been serving our investment community for 20 years. And, you know, when I, whenever I'm on stage giving a talk, I always start with, you know, number one is a holistic approach to real estate and people. And it's a lot of Silicon Valley. And I go to Israel or our two main networks. So these are some of the smartest people in the world. I'm speaking to engineers from Facebook and Google. And, you know, I ask them to take a step back and they're like, you know, I say, why do you, why do you want to do real estate? You know, cash flow, tax, you know, tax advantage, equity. And really for me, the the reason why I do it is is, uh, freedom of time. I mean, if I, you know, if I had a million people in front of me and asked the question, who wants more freedom of time, every hand's going to go up. So for me, real estate is um, a phenomenal tool for leveraging time. I mean, you have a business called Leverage. <laughs> um, I'm a young young dad. I know you are too. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just releasing a book on how I organize my life based amongst these five relationships. And freedom of time is what it ultimately comes down to. So to answer your question, real estate in my opinion, is one of the best tools in the world to leverage my time so that I can go and create family board meetings and I can go and write a book. It was a means to the end. I I couldn't agree with you. I was a high-frequency trader for eight years and gave up the money for the freedom of time and being able to work on things like this that I'm passionate about with people I like working with and having, like, I'm leaving for London on Friday. I'm going to work from my laptop somewhere there. And just just having that freedom is, to me, worth worth more than anything else. Yeah. And, you know, when you really take a step back and I know you practice yoga and I spent a lot of time in quiet contemplation. When you really take a step back, you're, we're helping a ton of people with what we're doing. I mean, I say that humbly, but we, we do volume in real estate and we have a large personal portfolio and we're improving the lives of, you know, hundreds of families in, in different markets by giving them really good 
you know, I mean, at the end of the day, shelter is a pretty important thing. Would you guys agree? Yes. Yeah. So we add value there and, you know, providing hundreds of jobs. And so although I'm not passionate about sticks and bricks, I, I love the model of helping people and getting paid handsomely for it, you know. <laughs> well, right, of course. So the new book is going to be called What Matters Most, right? And you talk about the five relationships. So yeah, so the, yeah, so the, the front half of the book is all about my journey through faith, which I think is a very personal thing. It has nothing to do with religion. Um, so the first half of the book is around self-love and faith, uh, your relationship with yourself and forgiving yourself. I think a lot of people have a, you know, that going back to the story that we tell ourselves, I mean, everyone in the world's got a, a hero's journey. Everyone. I Everybody. Care who you are. Yeah. And we've all screwed up a ton. I mean, I can, if you read the book, you'll see how much I screwed up. <laughs> Um, and then once you get into a place that you're comfortable with yourself, and that's a process, not an event by no stretch of I reach some peak or something like that, I get up just like everybody else every day and, you know, but I have systems in place and try to mitigate stress. And, um, the other, so the first one is faith. And then we have, uh, um, fitness, family, friends, and finance, and you prioritize them however you want. I, I think... You know, there's this saying throughout the book, um, you know, before we worry about what's next, let's figure out what's important for you. Because um, I think a lot of, especially fire red <laughs> entrepreneurs um, are go, 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 go. What's next? What are we building? What are we doing next? And they don't take a st- one second to, to get quiet and figure out what's really important to them so that they can actually prioritize before they – and then their, their time is going to be managed by their priorities versus – you know, you wake up, your feet hit the floor, you got 50 projects, email, phone, text, business trips. I mean, we can all relate to that, right? And again, I'm speaking, I only ever teach from experience. I'm, I'm not a theory guy. <laughs> um, so the book just helps the, the reader um, with some really simple tools and effective tools, figure out what their priorities are around those five relationships, and then see how they're managing their time. But I, I find that in in, just like Jennifer, in interviewing very successful people from all over the world and all walks of life, that there's a complete congruency gap between what people are telling themselves are their priorities and how they're investing their time. You know, a lot of a lot of guys would say, hey, family's number one, and they work 14 hours a day, and when they get home, they're exhausted, and on the weekend, they're exhausted, and I call bullshit, you know? <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, I'm speaking, again, from experience. I'm not pointing the finger. I'm just saying, hey, I was, I was that guy saying that, and you have to readjust. And if, once you get crystal clear on your priorities, your time will manage itself. Well, I mean, maybe that means the family is not the priority, which is okay, honestly, if that's what you want to, if it's not your priority. There's, I'm not here to prescribe right. people's priorities. They're, that's a total personal thing. The way I present them in the book is, um, and, you know, it probably offends some people, but again, it's personal. Like faith for me, I find that if I'm tuned spiritually, the other external relationships are going to flow a lot easier. Um, fitness is next. If I don't work out, every day and take care of my body, everything else is going to go to shit very quickly. Um, family, I'm Italian, Irish from New Jersey. Family's pretty, pretty important. No, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm a young dad and a beautiful wife and, and two boys and huge priority there. Um, friends is huge and, and finance is a big part. So you have to, we all got the same 16 waking hours in the day. All four of us in this room, the sound guy on the other side of the, the door, the president of the United States, the, you know, the king of every country, we all got that, did you say 20 hours? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> depends on the day. <laughs> yeah, it depends on uh, how much sleep you're getting. But in general, we all have, I mean, I think we'd all agree we all have about the same waking yeah. hours in a day. It's, it's voluntary, right? So how do we invest that? And I think that we have to help people get clear on their priorities and then their time will be invested accordingly. I like the way that you said about prioritizing and figuring out what's important first. Um, Like one thing that we try to instill within uh, people on our team is to ask why. And asking why is kind of in line with what you're saying, figuring out why it's what's important. If, If we tell someone, hey, go and do this, we don't want them to just be monkeys and, and execute. We want them to agree and understand the under underlying reason, ask why, and if it doesn't make sense, like push back and say, you know, wh- why are you asking me to do this? It doesn't make sense. So I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. I'm sure you yeah, guys are. Yeah. Start with your why. I'll start with why. Great book. But uh, I talk, I reference him in my book, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. There's so many people with their ladder leaning against the wrong house that they're painting when they should be painting the house next door, you know? Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes I find, and I'm find, I'm seeing this more and more. I'm curious what, if you guys are finding the same thing, and Brian especially, that oftentimes our why hides behind our shame. That it really, that's where the gift is. Is and I think Philip McKernan actually talks a bit about this too. Um, but it, if we can get rid of the shame, which often is about experience or mistakes, or you know, if we want to call it that, a mistake. But that's where the real gift that we have to share in the world is the, hiding. The gift is next to the wound. Yeah. Floyd talks about it. I know you're just with him. Yeah. Who? Floyd, um, I'm going to butcher his last name, Mar- Maranisque? Maranisque? <laughs> <Close. laughs> oh, oh, I know Floyd, yeah. He's a Floyd. great, awesome, awesome guy. And I was in Ireland. We were talking about McKernan earlier. Did, yeah, uh, did you do the um, the trip to Ireland? Yeah, with Floyd and a really, I brought my I mom. I was going to go in June. My I wife's can't. my wife's going in June. Oh really? It's too I, bad you're not. Going. I, I almost was gonna go, but there's just too many too many things going on here right now. Yeah, I have Nick off grid for a week right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you will not be on the grid there if you go. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But in that retreat, Floyd and someone else in the room talked about the gift being next to the womb, and it sort of just st- stopped everyone. Wait, sorry, next to the wound or the womb? Your gift is next to your wound. Ah. Yeah. Usually the pain that you're talking about or the fear that you're hiding from. I know exactly where what was holding me back for years and got clear on that in Ireland and talk about it a lot in the book. And it's something that I thought I had forgiven myself for and buried it. And, and it was very destructive. And yeah, me too. Yeah. Every experience, everyone, everyone's got a story. I find that when you shine that light and just like let yourself be seen and just like find that compassion, that it's kind of like lights out. Then it's like magic happens and impact happens and love happens. Doors open. When is the book going to be available? Uh, first week of May. So I'm working with, um, I've taken a couple steps back to take a few forward. I brought on, uh, some really smart people in, uh, in marketing and, um, creative and helping me get a, a back end built because I, I want it to be sustainable. I know you mentioned about sustainability for the kids before. I, I don't want to do anything that's not sustainable. I, I value my time and respect my time and whoever I'm speaking with way too much to just throw stuff out there and hope it sticks. So mm-hmm. I'm real anal about saying no and saying yes and who I work with. And so the the, the team I put together is uh, we're looking at a f- May f- first week in May. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this book sounds amazing. And can am I allowed to ask, can I just get a signed copy? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I have some here. Okay, I'll cool. give you one. Yeah. All right. How often are you doing the retreats? Um, right now we have three on the books for this year. We're looking to grow that, obviously. And just to be transparent, we do a, a lot of real estate still. You know, the old 80-20. It's right now our focus and energy is probably the 80-20 in, in favor of the real estate. But we're putting a lot of – we've changed our model. I'm doing a lot of building now. Um, and I've partnered up with a developer. And so I'm focused on the sales. And it's f- freed up a ton of my time so that we can focus on what matters most and building out the you know the retreats and the book. And, and it's for one more woman. Are you- I know you're doing the quarterly retreats for people in the program, but are you, are you doing anything to sort of – how do you get people yeah, in the program? Yeah, you know, we've actually got something really cool coming up, um, and it's it's free. We're actually doing a 14-day free challenge, um, and we call it the Money Accelerator Boot Camp, um, which it'll be – and so anyone can sign up. Uh, and what's great, too – like, can I actually announce this yet? QuickBooks. Um so, <laughs> we've got a we've got a sponsorship happening with QuickBooks, um, and so anyone who signs up and get and joins um, this will get access to QuickBooks for a year for free, which is awesome. So we just worked on that deal. So you go to uh, what is it? It's um, moneybootcamp.onemorewoman.com, and uh, and we literally help you rewrite your money story. Send you on a money date. We help you get to what's the money date. The money date, oh, so cool. So <sighs> it, I, I love this, and I love that you asked this question. So how many people do you think actually were taught how to have a great relationship with money? None. Like hardly anyone. I've never met anyone to this date. I mean, I'm holding the possibility that it's, it may have happened, but I've never met anyone, and certainly not myself. It's just a chase. And and yet we're, we, we are encouraged to, like, focus on a relationship with ourselves and with our partners and with our children. And yet there's this thing called value and worth and money that we don't really spend any time working on that relationship. And so the money date, there's this whole process that we craft around how to structure this date with your money and your value and your worth. And we send you on a date. 
Um, and it's after the rewriting your money story process so that you're really clear and you're aware. Because what ultimately I want to do is like we, we awaken what's happening for you. And then we want to move it into the disruptive state. And once, once we're starting to really disrupt it, we can eradicate it, right? And so the date is part of the disrupting and eradicating um, of the old stories that don't serve you anymore. Um, and so we, we're walking you through that process in this um, Money Accelerated Boot Camp, also helping you to activate your um, vision for the next 90 days and create a plan, an action plan for the next 90 days to double your revenue uh, and – and then helping you with what I, a system that I call a possibility tree uh, and taking one branch and focusing in on that um, so that you can double your revenue. So I know you've uh, helped some of my male friends. So this programs you're talking about, is it gender specific or no? You, you know, I would welcome the guys. I'm not going to turn the guys away. But we are focused on women. Um, but the guys are welcome too. So if we're already using QuickBooks, can we still benefit from a year of QuickBooks? That is a great question. Um, as long as you... Use this link. Yes, you can. Awesome. And what's funny is, like, my, my accountant is a woman, and uh, our um, the, our head of our, finance is our a woman. CFO. Essentially, we don't have chief, we don't have names, but like, if you had to call someone a CFO, it's it's a woman on our on our team. She's handling all the payroll and bookkeeping, working with our other accountant who is a guy on on taxes, but she's doing all the all the financials of the company. I love that. Our staff. She's, she's actually the Excel like guru on the team. Anyway, we did so. it for the diversity factor. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, throw some tomatoes over there. Our staff accountant. I'm, yeah. I'm with the our staff accountants. Uh, female and our CPAs become female. Well, there's a bigger discussion here about like millennials too, and speaking of Simon Sinek, like we actually love millennials on, on our on our team. Uh, people complain about them all the time, but we have some really amazing, really committed ones, and a lot of I really agree. wonderful young women. Um, and it's it's what people I think is typical is that they always look at the other party as the the fault, and they're really a lot of companies are just not creating an environment that is conducive to people want to work for. So we, in our company, people can work when they want, where they want, on what they want. It's like ultimate job crafting, basically, and they get to see impact on day one from their work. So it's like all it checks all the boxes for it's what. Very open. They can suggest a new role if they feel like there's a new role that we need, and they want to they want to head up. We yeah. had a few few roles created because of people suggesting. And within their core competence, they can take on or take on as much or as little as within reason. Obviously, <laughs> they're not going to. Yeah, we have things in place that make it so that they can't take too much uh it, it's not so much like task wise it's more that they can't take on too big of a breath because you know you can't have somebody who's legitimately like an expert in wordpress and copywriting and graphic design and sales and like i mean just yeah. they might think they are but they're not uh and and they shouldn't be honestly people should be able to I, we really think people should so, be able to focus on what they're better at we, we limit the number of um skill sets that they can put into the system that we've built um to a certain number and the certain number of tasks that they're allowed to work on at any time to a certain number to ensure that they're not just yeah quality control and just you know the more things that they're they're hanging on to the longer it's going to take to turn around the more risk we have if they quit then they're you know they we have to re reallocate you know tons of tasks so it's it's for hedging a bit and quality control yeah I'm excited to come on I mean you and I have talked in the last mm -hmm. last yeah. couple of months and I have some very successful friends that we're all mutual friends that rave about this service so. Oh, I'm yeah. a huge fan of delegation. I just <laughs> signed up by my like one more woman is actually working with uh, Leverage now. Oh great! And we, we're making some huge changes right now. the The service is I mean, we're it's really really on a path of becoming an like we're already really good, but the stuff that we're coming out with is really exciting. We're, we're about to ignite the boosters. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited up. about that. Use me as a guinea pig, please. <laughs> we're coming out with a project management software that might be helpful for some of the stuff that we're, we're coming out with would be really helpful for both of you guys in terms of the clients that you that you have on the entrepreneur side of things. But we're coming out with a free project management tool that will just be a game changer in terms of how companies manage tasks internally. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah, absolutely. So great. Yeah. Awesome. And, and well, so what I was saying about millennials and stuff is too is that we just have some incredible people that when you allow them the space to do what they want, it, it's it's. I mean, honestly, it's almost like a it's like almost like a capitalistic view in some ways. You know, just sort of like let them do what they're best at and back off. This is what we're talking about with school. It's no different. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really is. And not to get like like too randy and randy about this, but it really is in certain cases where you give them the, the tools and sort of like the right playground, um, but then you back off, then you see what kind of magic comes out. I, it, I, and so my kids are in school, um, and we actually, we really like the school that they're in, but a lot of people when I talk about unschooling, I've heard a lot of stories about people who were like the kids just watch TV for like three months and people were like ready to pull their hair out and then all of a sudden like they were like they got bored of it and then they started doing these other things and sort of like magic came out. So Yeah, well we give the flexibility internally, but also to, to what you were saying earlier, we have complete transparency and we, we're tracking all the right numbers that are necessary for them to succeed so that they can see the impact if they try something different. They can see that their average rating went down to this or um, whatever they need to see to make their to make them execute their job the way it needs to be executed. You're giving them the power. We give them the tools and the power and the the visibility to to see exactly what's happening. We implemented something very very cool this week, which uh, to Nick's credit, he came up with us. Uh, so we give a weekly bonus. We give several weekly bonuses to uh, the VAs based on how many hours we do as a team. So if we do uh, 800 hours in a week as a team, we get about eight bonuses. And uh, typically, it's it's it. It's been very, not typically, it has been a very subjective process. Basically, I have conversations with some people, either the VAs directly, managers, whoever, and just basically decide, like, these people are going to get it because of this. And, uh, th- you know, there's some metrics around it, but it's, it is fairly subject- subjective. So the last couple of weeks now, they have to apply for the bonus and tell us why they think they deserve it based on the eight core values that we have mm-hmm. and what they've exemplified. And w- I think we're getting like 90% women applying right now. Um, which is kind of cool because, and there are people who haven't gotten it before necessarily because maybe they just didn't want to put their head up. Um, so now they have to apply for it. But Nick has built in a little bit of game theory to it. So if they apply and they don't get it that week, then it lowers their win percentage basically, right? And then eventually that win percentage will play into how much of the bonus they actually can get. So it prevents people from just applying every week. Well, right now the way that we have it is if their win percentage is less than 50%, even if they win, they don't get paid any bonus. So we don't want people just applying every week. And just to go through the exercise. Yeah, well, I mean, like, if you just if you don't do some mechanism like that, everyone will apply, right? So you have to have some penalty if they are over applying. So we're getting people who really deserve it, who are now applying, and we don't have to make anything subjective. It's you've really gamified it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the and, and also what it means now is that I can give because I'm the one who announces it in our, our huddles. I can give very specific feedback as to why they got the bonus because they're telling me. Yeah, and if they don't get it, I can also tell them why. It's it's awesome. Nick, I really do want to geek out with you. <laughs> That's just scratching the surface. You should see, you should like see what really I'm really working on. I'm really excited over here. <laughs> that, that, that was just a 30-minute project. Okay. You should see what I'm really spending. I, I think I might have to take you for a coffee or a cocktail or something. <laughs> but, you, but, but what we're talking about is giving them back the power, and that's what exactly. works going back to the education model. Like Montessori, Waldorf, I don't know if you're yeah, familiar yeah, with that yeah, model. Yeah, my kids went to a Montessori Com- school. Completely gives the power yeah. back to the child. Instead of the teacher standing at the front of the room with a blackboard and and the kids are sitting for an hour straight without moving and opening their mouths. It's the complete opposite. The kids control and have all the power. With you, I think what would be really interesting, like I was saying before, um, with us doing like a workshop or something for your community, because some of the, even just let's say financial metrics, not other types of metrics, like using setting yourself up properly with like things like Stripe and, and Chargeify and Chartmogul and being able to segment your audience to see what the churn rate is for people that came in from Archangel, let's say, versus coming in from Facebook ads and what's the growth from each of these different things and testing different prices and then seeing if the churn rate is a function of different prices and having the optics at some of these tools that aren't that hard to set up. I mean, we've set it up for a ton of our clients. It's just super, super critical. So when are we doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Whenever you want. (laughs) Well, and also not to go on like too much of a tangent too, but the school thing is, is just, it's, it, I think this plays into it so much. We're at a school right now called Nord Anglia, which is a British school. I just got an email from them on the, uh, on the Lower East Side that like no one's ever heard of. Um, and it's part of a British schooling system, so it's, it's well-recognized. But the, the amount of personalized attention that, that our boys, because all three of our boys are quite different and learn very differently. What age range again? Five. Uh, the, the twins will be four in, uh, in April, and then the, the girl is 13 months. And you got a full plate, Chloe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's they're they're awesome. Uh, but so the the school is it's just incredible because it gives us individualized instruction. So it's it's partly because it's, it's a smaller school, and it's something that I, I think I kind of took it for granted that 
when I was their age, even I remember at their age, I hated school. Mm-hmm. I hated it. I went to United Nations school and I absolutely hated it. And uh, they love it, you know, and they really love school. And I think that, and I don't see that actually in a lot of my, uh, like of our friends' kids either. So it's like a really unique thing that I, I do. I, I took it for granted because we were looking at other schools we were just to like explore other options. And uh, being able to enjoy yourself while you're learning. It's like, Let's play. That should be, yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. But the, only, the only way to keep it, anything sustainable is to inject fun into yes, it. Which is play. why what you're doing is working because you gamified it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and also like, yeah, the whole thing is gamified. We're not telling people when to work, what to work on. They choose their own tasks. If they have an hour and they want to do something, they can choose. They, they create their... Their own reality, yeah. It's awesome. Love the model. Yeah. So the last question that we always like to ask on these interviews, and I think we'll go, it's it's three parts and we'll go back and forth, is what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? And you can interpret that however you like. So why don't we start with one from you and we'll go back and forth. Okay, sure. To be more effective, um, I think a morning routine is, at least for me, it's non-negotiable. Um, it, it sets up the whole day. It sets up my mindset. It sets up my body. Uh, so the morning routine. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it, but I'll be redundant because it's worth repeating is get clear on your priorities first. And then you know what you're working on is what you should be working on. I have some simple tools. I'd be happy to share free downloads of that stuff. Uh, yeah, we'd love from to the book. No, yeah. that'd be great. It's like overly simple. Like, yeah. And we'd love like, to have, get a copy of the book. And I would add, get an abundance partner. You know, or advisors in your life that you can really lean in on. That has been one of the single greatest things in my career that has helped me be the most effective because they help me see my blind spots. They help me tap into my purpose daily. Um, they hold up mirrors for me. And all of that equates to being incredibly effective. What, what constitutes an abundance partner? Is that like an accountability partner or is yeah, it different? Yeah, it is, it, is um, it is a similar thing, accountability partner, abundance partner, but um, really digging into understanding each other's businesses and with, this, with the idea that you know, we're learning how to both fully give and fully receive um, to bring all kinds. Abundance comes in many forms and mm-hmm. shapes. Um, so, yeah. Okay, awesome. Number two? I couldn't agree with you more on accountability. Um, that's probably where I would go because we have accountability partners and um, we have metrics that we use in our businesses to measure. And I think if we if we can't measure something, then how do we know? First, you have to have a baseline, which Jennifer talked about, and then some type of accountability system, whether it's a partner, which I highly recommend, probably having a couple because you get different dynamics. And it's always good to have male and fe- feminine energy, I think, mm-hmm. uh, from my perspective. Agreed. It's like for me, it's like the double down strategy. And what the heck does that mean? For me, the the double down is like it goes back to um, making numbers and, you know, analyzing data because it's magical. Look at what works well and do more of that and then stop doing the stuff that doesn't work anymore. That's great. (laughs) My third one would be delegate, 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 which you probably like to hear in your your guys' business. that's one thing that starting 20 years back, we got good at fairly quickly because we took a couple kicks in the face and realized that we got to surround ourselves with people that are smarter and been around the block. So we're huge fans of in, in, in all businesses, in, in health and everything. I think the more that you can surround yourself and get out of your own way and realize how much, how much little you do know, get your ego out of the way, um, always listen twice more than you talk and delegate. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. So for people to find out more, then go to, what's the URL for you? OneMoreWoman.com. Okay. And Brian? FamilyBoardMeetings.com. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much. This was Thanks so much for having us. It was yeah. fun. Want to create more positive leverage in your life? Visit www.getleverage.com to access additional interviews, our blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every week. 